to The Skinny for Friday, November 24th. I'm Mitch Perry, senior political reporter for the Florida Phoenix, and I'm joined today, as always, with my two co-hosts, freelance reporter Ben Montgomery and creative loafing editor-in-chief Ray Roa. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Good morning. All right. Uh, two months into fall, and it finally feels like fall here in the Tampa Bay area today. Very exciting. I uh, hope everybody's enjoying their time off. If you have time off, some of us are still actually working today. But anyway, thank you for joining us today. So today we're going to devote the entire hour to the topic of the White House boys. These were some 300 men who were sent as boys to the Florida's Dozier School for Boys, a notorious state-run reform school located in the small panhandle town of Mariana in the 1950s and 60s that closed in 2011 after more than a century. Uh, these men joined together over the years to tell their stories of the violence administered in a small building on the school grounds that they knew as the White House. And we should say that our colleague Ben Montgomery, along with his colleague Waveney Ann Moore, began writing about this, the White House boys in a series of articles in the St. Petersburg Times back in 2009. That investigation into abuse was named as a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in local reporting. And the group also, Ben and Waveney, won the 2010 DART Award for Excellence in the Coverage of Trauma. So with that, I'll hand it off to Ben Montgomery. Thanks so much, Mitch. Uh, in 2008, uh, five men who had found each other online um, and had sort of convinced the state to let them uh, hold a little ceremony in front of a building called the White House on the campus of the Florida School for Boys set in motion uh, what we're dealing with still today. That, again, that was 2008, more than 15 years ago. Uh, and since then, uh, since they told their stories publicly for the first time, more than 500 men have come out uh, saying the same thing happened to me. I was also abused, beaten, uh, otherwise sexually abused at the Florida School School for Boys. Um, and so we wanted to dedicate this program today to uh, what's happening now and what's happening next. And so I welcome Charlie Fudge, who's president of the White House Boys. He was at Dozier in 1960 and 1961. Roy Connerly, who was there in 1962, and sorry, in 1961 and 1962. And Gene Oker, who was there in 1956, 57, and did another stint in 58 and 60. So you men have been involved pretty much uh, since those days since those early days, 2009 uh, or so. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yes. Um, and you might have to pull the microphones a little closer to your mouth. Uh, Charlie, can you tell us, can you give us a sense right now of um, how the past 10 years have been for you? Like, how, what has the White House Boys as an organization been uh, attempting to do? It uh, has been a uh, group of guys that have taken and uh, spoke about uh, their abuse over the years and kind of an outlet to to get things that we've dealt with our whole lives uh, to uh, understand each other and, and love each other. Uh, that, that's what I see primarily as, a, as sort of a support group. I know that's a strange thing to say, but you guys are brothers. I mean, I, I, yes. you're close like a family because of this shared experience. Um, Roy, can you give us a sense of... Can you get, give us a sense of, uh, for people who've never heard of the Dozier School, um, what was that place like? Well, it, it was a beautiful place. When you first go there, you think it's a nice place to be, but you know, it doesn't take long to find out that it's not quite as nice as it appears. Um, there was a lot of, of uh, mental abuse, I might as well call it, because they were always trying to get people to tell on people and do things to help them do their job at the expense of the boy that that told on somebody else. Yeah. 
because you know when you when you become a rat or a puke or whatever you want to call them, uh, you're not accepted in the population. Right. Even though you may get a couple of accolades from the staff, your your life's going to be a lot worse off. And if you violated uh, rules, often the punishment was being taken to uh, the White House for uh, for a beating. Were, were any of you all uh, beaten in, in the White House? And can you, I know this is tough to talk about, can you give us a sense very quickly of what that was like and what, you know? At 12 years old, I was uh, there uh, three days and I was taken to the White House and received a beating of 31 licks with a leather strap uh, that was just uh, a beating unmerciful. Uh, And I've lived with that, still live with that today, how someone as big as these guys were that was in charge could take and beat a little child at 12 years old Mm. with that kind of beating. it's something that stays with you your whole life. We'd like to also welcome to the show via Zoom Richard Huntley, who's president of the Black Boys of Dozier. Uh, Richard, are you there with us? Just waiting for a moment for some uh, technical assistance. Is Richard there? Are you joining us? I will fix that in, in just a minute. Richard, uh, if you hear this, uh, uh, c- can you just can you just speak up? And if not, can you dial in at 813-239-9663? We'd really love to hear from you. So the experience of uh, uh, being beaten, uh, being subjected to this level of abuse doesn't stop there. And I think that's why we're gathered today to talk about this. This is something that when you experience a trauma as a child might manifest itself over the rest of your life. Can you guys talk about how Gene, maybe how how that experience uh, sort of shaped who you are? That was uh, really, uh, Charlie talking about the beatings, you know. Uh, it was unbelievable. You can't describe it. You know, there's no way I can describe what that strap felt like the first time it hit you. It went all through your body. Every inch of your body and when they hit you with that the first time they that, uh, that pain was unbelievable and they hit me they they gave me 35 lashes does that seem like it was about standard 30 to 35 have you heard of people getting more than that uh i don't know uh some got less a lot got less yeah you know uh I had ran away as the reason why, uh, and they put me in solitary. Hey, babe, I don't hear anything. Solitary. Okay, let me show it to I think we've right. got. I've, I think we've got Mr. Hey, Huntley joining us. Yeah, I, I can't hear anything either. Hey. I can now. I can now. I can now. Hey, Mr. Huntley, how you doing? Oh, very I'm good. good. Very good. Okay, so we've got uh, we've now got via Zoom uh, Richard Huntley, president of the Black Boys of Dozier and the author of a book called I Survived Dozier. And we've also got Troy Rafferty, who's a lawyer with the Pensacola firm Levin, Papantonio and Rafferty. Thank you both uh, so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, uh, Troy, since we've got you on, uh, you've been advocating on behalf of these men. Can you tell us what the status is of, um, uh, of, of your work? What's going on right now?
Sorry, Troy is. Uh, we're still having a little bit of tef- technical difficulty. Mr. Huntley, have we got you there? We're going to get this fixed, promise, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, we'll deal with the people in studio and to our guests who are on Zoom. Please hang with us. We will. Uh, we will be right with you, and we'll have you on the air. Um, so, Charlie, uh, can you update us on what the latest is that you have heard? Uh, and I know there's some stuff that you, you're not supposed to talk about, but um, you have a lot of people advocating on behalf of the White House boys in the legislature. And there's some promising news for uh, 2024. Am I right? For the legislative session? Yes, there's uh, two bills that uh, have been p- passed uh, or have been written by the Senate and the legislation uh, one of the bills is uh, the Senate bill is 24 and the House bill is 21. And these bills are... Uh, yes, I still can't hear anything. Victim certification act to where the boys that were sent there and abused can take and, uh, and hey, fall to, to be on that portion of the uh, victim certification oh, yeah. act. So, I'm bring Mitch up. There have been bills filed um, over the years to address the situation with uh, you gentlemen. Um, this is different, right? This type of legislation that we're talking about now? A little different than the other bills that have been passed that uh, attempted to be passed. Right. Uh, and they would get to uh, so many of the uh, meetings. Committees, and, yeah. And then fades away like... Uh, Last year, uh, it went as far as uh, the last committee, and it was denied. So, and Mitch, that's yeah. not unusual, right? In your experience in Tallahassee, well, whether in it's a cl- claims, claims bills. bills, right, or even other type of legislation, it sometimes it takes um, three, four, five times. It's weird how that works, even though on the surface the issue, whatever it is, is like pretty obvious the first time. Uh, yeah, it, it it is a process, but that must be very tough for you gentlemen to have to go through that and endure that and want to get justice now that we have, now the country now knows about what's happened with you. Right. Senator Rusan and uh, uh, Representative Davis at the time were Tracy the ones, Davis, yeah. ones that uh, supported the bills from the early days and uh, still to this day. Now Senator Davis and Senator Rusan are backing the new bills along with Representative Salzman. Right. And those bills are currently titled both one in the Senate and one in the House, the R3G Dozier School for Boys and Okeechobee School Abuse Victims Certification Act. Uh, and as Charlie mentioned, they would require a person seeking certification as a victim of Florida reform school abuse to apply to the Department of State by a specified date. Um, and then that authorizes the, uh, well, they, they can authorize the estate, personal representative, next of kin, or lineal descendants of a person who is a victim of Florida reform school abuse to submit an application on behalf of the decedent. So this isn't just, uh, this wasn't, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily just be certifying as a class those who are victims, but perhaps also those who are directly related or descendant of uh, the victims. And I think what they're trying to do, it seems to me, is... Uh, 
line up uh, a class to identify this class because it's been very difficult over the years to put a number on how many men we're talking about, right? right. Uh, oftentimes, I mean, this was when you all were there, this was the largest reform school in the country. There were hundreds of boys at yes, sometimes, yeah. and sometimes close to a thousand boys were staying on this 1400 acre campus in, in Mariana, Florida. So how do you account for everybody who was abused, everybody who suffered while they were there? And I think this attempts to do that. And this is the first legislation of this kind that I've seen come along um, just to uh, just to set that up. And we're having just a little bit of uh, tef- technical difficulty still, but we're working on it. Charlie, do you have an estimation on how many boys who are at Dozier are still alive today? My guess would be probably between two and three hundred. That would be my my personal guess. Uh, we have lost so many of the brothers over the last eight years. That's just very sad that uh, they're not here. Yeah. Including Jerry Cooper, who's a uh, former president of the White House boys and uh, forced to be reckoned with, a uh, guy who was always out there uh, uh, in the spotlight. Um, so uh, are we good? Oh, we're good with the board. Okay, so let's see if we can welcome uh, Richard Huntley, the president of the Black Boys of Dozier and uh, the author of a book called I Survived Dozier. Richard, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, Richard. We really appreciate it. So... Um, you have uh, said, and we, we've spoken many times about this, but uh, you have described this as a, 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 a situation of slavery. Am I right? Your experience yes, at Dozier? Exactly. Yes, I did. Can you, can you tell the listeners wh- what that means and uh, what, what sorts of things were you subjected to when you were there? Uh, well, uh, cruelty, number one. We were, they had different sides. It was segregated when I was there uh, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And on the black side, what they call the black side, we did all of the uh, all of the grunt work. We did all of the field work, the farm work, you know, the um, uh, butchering. We furnished the whole campus. Uh, I, with, I imagine you weren't getting paid for that. No, we did not. Um, do you guys have a sense of whether it was different for the uh, black children who were at Dozier? Are you asking me? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. Tell it was, uh, yeah, I mean, what we did, like I said, we did all field work. Yeah. We were not allowed to uh, talk to any of our white brothers when we were there. If you did, that was uh, uh, that was grounds for a beating. We was not allowed to speak, correspond in no way. Uh, but our job was, you know, um, strictly farm work and to make sure that we did enough work that we supply both sides and probably Jackson County. And refused to do that uh, resulted in a beating. Uh, and so that's why I call it slavery. We was only allowed to go so far, do so far. And we uh, naturally, you know, you had to, um, you know, be yourself. So, yes, uh, I call it that slavery. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for that. And uh, we also have joining us via Zoom, Troy Rafferty, who's a lawyer with the Pensacola firm Levin, Papantonio, and Rafferty. Uh, and he's been advocating on behalf of the White House boys. And we have joining us Representative Michelle Saltzman, who uh, introduced uh, the bill in the Florida House. Um, thank you both for being here. We really appreciate you and your patience. Oh, thank you. This this Troy, thank you very much for, for having us. And thank you for... Uh, 
you know, continuing to expose this, this atrocity that happens so many of these victims over the years and stuff. Uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to speak with you. Um, Troy, can you tell us how you and your firm got involved with this? Yeah, so, uh, you know, at Levin Papantonio Referee, we take on a lot of different causes. We've taken on everything from, you know, on social issues, whether it's the opioid epidemic, whether it's, you know, tobacco, whether it's contamination of the environment. And and so what we've been, a, you know, what we do is we, we take a look at different causes. And we had an opportunity, me and my partner, Mike Papantonio, to actually go to the Dozer School with several of the folks that have been victimized by this place or were victimized by this place and listen to their stories as we were out there standing in front of the White House. And you listen to the stories that these folks uh, talk about and what they went through, and you just can't help but just want to do something because it's the right thing to do. And so there's, there's th this isn't about – one of the things I want to emphasize to everybody, this isn't about lawyer fees. This isn't about lawsuits. This isn't about anything. This is about doing what's right. This is about bringing some justice and some closure for these folks that suffered so, you know, so badly at the hands of the state for so many years. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And, and, and I'm very appreciative and uh, we're all very fortunate to have and be building a coalition of a bipartisan coalition, including great legislators like uh, Representative Saltzman, who I know is on here and, uh, and Senator Roussan and now Senator Davis and, and everybody that's really come together to try and make this work and do everything we can to make it work. Cause it's, like I said, it is the right thing to do. And, you know, I always encourage everybody to, if you have the opportunity to go there, it's, it's, it's got an eerie, eerie feeling to it. Uh, when you walk around that closed campus now, um, and to call it a school, I think is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, this was forced labor. This was, you know, this was, uh, you know, nothing less than that. You know, they yeah. were working out in the fields, being forced to work out in the fields, work in the mills, do all of those types of things. And then at night, you know, being, as, as you've heard from the victims, you know, abused so badly. So thank you, Troy. And once again, I just appreciate it. Really appreciate it. And uh, Representative Michelle Salzman, you're on uh, now. Are you with us? You might be muted. I'm, I'm being told. Uh, we'll we'll come back to her. Maybe she's going to phone in to 813-239-9663. By the way, if you want to join the conversation with the many, many people in this room, join in 813-239-9663 and feel free to send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. Um, going back to you for a second, Troy. So, uh, so this legislation that's been introduced that attempts to identify or define this class, this feels like a step in a process. Can you tell us anything about what you're working on and what might come next? What What's justice yes. look like? Well, well, you know, it's hard to define, you know, at this point. But, but what we're hoping is that, you know, by setting up this type of a structure, folks can come in, the victims can come in, and they can actually seek to get some kind of justice, some kind of, some kind of, uh, like I said, there's a closure, closure mm -hmm. and justice to this. And yeah, it is a process. They're going to, you know, everybody's going to have to fill out, you know, paperwork, going to have to provide proof. The records, unfortunately, back many years ago, decades ago, there was a, all of the records mysteriously went missing from this, this so-called school. 
Mm. So, you know, and so, so it's all being pieced back together and a lot of work from a lot of different institutions is going into trying to piece all of this back together and who was there, who, for example, over the 50 plus dead bodies that were found right. in unmarked graves throughout there, you know, identifying who they are, uh, who their families are, notifying them. And um, so it's, it is a step, but it's a step in the right direction, quite frankly. And I think, uh, you know, as I said, I'm very grateful to the, the legislators like Representative Salzman and Senator Roussan who have worked so hard on this. And I'm being told we might have Representative Salzman finally with us. We're sorry for the uh, difficulty and appreciate your patience. Are you there? I am. I had myself muted. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So you've been working for quite a few years on behalf of these, uh, the White House boys, the victims of the Dozier School abuse. Can you tell us the latest? What, uh, tell us about this bill that you filed and um, what do you hope to accomplish with it? Sure. Well, I got the bill from um, Troy Rafferty, who came to me last year and said, I need you to do this for me. Um, he didn't quite ask me to run with it, but after talking to him and watching the stories that he'd shared on social media um, and media where he had visited the school, I, I just felt compelled to, to be a part of the solution. Um, you know, it's hard to get things passed uh, in a supermajority if you're uh, in the minority. So just jumping on, on board with this and, and being a part in the, in the supermajority, I thought would be a great asset to the team and having a great relationship with the leadership and being able to communicate directly with the attorney general and the secretary of state. Um, so we can make sure that the bill is in good posture to move was, was critical. So what's different this year, um, is, uh, I, a lot actually, um, we got the bill, it was crafted by the Rafferty law firm. Um, and so we put it into drafting and, uh, talked to drafting about some potential changes and, just by speaking with leadership and, and also people that had actually attended the schools, we got some feedback on the way that we were writing the language and the things that they wanted to achieve. And so the difference this year in the bill is the House has actually allocated the $40 million, um, that's needed to provide the funds to these people if they were to apply to get this money. So that's that's a huge step in the right direction, knowing that we're going to have the leadership on board with giving us that money. I think the Senate already had it, um, you know, locked in. Senator Roussan had already worked with the Senate president for years, making sure that if we got it to move in the House, that the Senate would be ready to, to take it, you know, to take it on. So that just allocating the 40 million was a big thing. And then um, other things that we did this year, we're trying to find a way to provide um, for the, the state to be able to go after some of these people, if they're still alive, that actually committed these atrocities to these children. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure if we're actually going to um, be able to do that. Um, I've, I've been told that the statute of limitations might be in our way, but we're seeing what we can do. So if that works, we'll add that to the bill. So there might, um, be, a law, there might be a law enforcement component to this as well. Yeah, we're trying so hard. The speaker would really, really, really like to see us be able to go after some of these people if they're still alive. Mm. He, he used the words, I don't care if they're 80 years old and in a walker. If, if they're alive and we can prove it, they need to go to jail. So mm. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. The, um, the staff has been working hard, and they've, they've said they just don't see a way to get it done. But they're going to they're gonna continue to work on that, and hopefully we come up with something. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to do – 
um, is also provide for an opportunity to get a, a GED um, from Department of Education if you went to that school and you did not get your GED. So you would do the same paperwork you did to get the money through the Attorney General's office. So in order to get the money, you had to fill out paperwork and turn it into the Secretary of State. Okay. Once they get that paperwork and, and approve it, then you do um, two things. You submit it to the attorney general's office to access your dollars in the trust fund that we're allocating. But the second thing you can do is submit it to the to the Department of Education and get your GED, an honorary GED from the Department of Education. So providing a little bit of closure to those um, people that went and never got that. And I do understand that there are many children that attended that were never um, given that. And so we thought it would be a good a, another good component of the bill if we could just provide that. For the, for the surviving um, victims. Thank you, Representative Saltzman. Um, let's turn to the White House boys. And uh, and um, how, how do you guys feel about that? Does that sound like a step in the right direction? Does it sound like justice? Absolutely. Uh, it, uh, it, it sounds terrific. Uh, it's news to our ears that we haven't heard before. Representative Saltzman just explained uh it's something that is is great yeah mr huntley yes i'm here how does that sound to you um th th this uh this new legislation it sounds great uh, uh just like charlie just said uh, the president it's the first time we've heard this and it's new to my ears and the first time i heard anybody even uh sound uh, remotely of trying to help us and uh, so that sounds fantastic. And they was telling the truth about uh, the GED. I never knew what a GED was. I got mine in uh, 1983. And the first I made it was third grade when I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, they called the school. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's been a lot of questions asking. I want to say this, if you don't mind. Sure. As far as the black guys is concerned, I do have black guys. And even though we are full grown and old men now, that still are reluctant to talk to me about some of the situations that happened to them. Sure. And uh, it's another thing that, uh, you know, I couldn't get over. I don't understand that, but they always ask me to speak for them and I do the best I can. But it's one thing that I do want to uh, make known to whomever, the public. We always found and knew that the guys was killed, the brothers that they are, they unearthed, you know, but no one ever knew who buried them. Mm. I heard a piece here and there, but let me tell you, I wrote in my book, uh, the book that I wrote, and I'm asking the question, I think I answered it. Am I my brother's keeper? Mm. But what happened was when I was working there, working in the fields, and our job was to uh, dig holes and cover up uh, any dead animals that be around due to the uh, fact of vultures. Yeah. But what I discovered later on after I was out a long, long time, we had to uh, get the shovels early in the morning, and two or three of us, they would take on a certain mission. That mission was we was to go out and dig a hole, and we would leave that hole open. Hmm. And what they would tell us is, though, that they, uh, someone else would bring a dead cow or, you know, whatever in that hole and, you know, and cover it up. Hmm. But what they did was, since it was two days of work, even the art day, well, if I was on the art day, we would dig the hole. But the people on the even they would cover it up. And what happened is what they would always never see the bottom of the hole, 
they would just leave a hole. Mm. And that left me to believe that who was in that hole? Was it really animals in that hole? The people who we left the next day to cover it up, they had no idea. So, you know, these type of things is what, uh, you know, keeps me going. It's saddening to me. And I, and I really do feel as though we have buried some of our own brothers uh, without knowledge of it. Um, yeah. yeah, and that that uh, that that worries me and it worries a lot of more guys. So I just wanted to add that in, and I think it's real nice uh, uh, that it was mentioned trying to help us in some way or another. As many of us haven't received any help, and uh, many of us in the nursing home and don't even know what's going on. So I do thank uh, Senator Salsa. I think Salsa. that's her name. Salsa. So I do want to personally thank her for. Uh, the work that they're doing and what they're coming up with, it sounds just great to my ears. And thank you. Representative and, uh, and also uh, uh, Troy Rafferty, um, could I ask you this question? It, it sounds to me like the leadership is receptive to this. Is, is that the impression you get? Yeah, I, I will. I will definitely defer to Representative Salzman on that question. She's been having a lot more discussions Um in terms of leadership, but I can tell you that everybody I talk to, everybody that I speak with in the legislature is very open to this and wants to do, wants to help and wants to, you know, take this very dark period of time in our state's history and try to do something right by folks. I mean, when you're talking about kids, you know, and, and the abuse and the beatings and everything they went through, um, you know, we have to do something, uh, we have to do something to make this right and bring some justice. And so, but in terms of, in terms of the, uh, the leadership, uh, I will defer totally to representative Salzman. So when I got the bill last year, um, I'd spoken with uh, the chairs of the committees that the bill would go through. And um, they, they had all said, you know, wow, we'd love to help, but, you know, this is something you requires a lot of people to buy in. It requires a lot of support. If if you if even if the House and the Senate want it, if the Attorney General doesn't have the money in the budget to provide the um, the compensation, then the bill dies. If the Department of State doesn't agree with the terms of um, you know providing the documentation, then the bill dies. And so not having really enough um, background on all the moving parts. The first year I had it, I had to take a step back and start working the bill from from that point. I knew it wasn't going to move last year, but I also knew that if I wanted it to move this year, I had a lot of work to do over the summer. So I met with the attorney general who was very receptive. Um, it, it was something that is in the radar of the governor's cabinet. Uh, they They all have agreed that they would like to see something done, but in the past, the legislation that was brought forward was not comprehensive enough to really handle uh, all of the different moving parts. So it wasn't something that they saw as um, something that we get across the finish line. So the, the difference now is the legislation that was drafted by uh, the Rafferty Law Firm provided for the avenue to access the money in the way that victims get compensated in the state of Florida currently. So there is a victim's compensation fund that the attorney general has, and this bill is crafted in a way that we can just use that same process, but 
just tweaking it to where it applies to these these men. So knowing all of that, it was uh, just talking to these people. They all wanted the secretary of state wanted to do something. But, of course, you know, he, he didn't, never had language in front of him that seemed like it would work. Um, and then, of course, the speaker, um, you know, he spoke with uh, Troy Rafferty a couple of years ago whenever he visited Pensacola at an event. And he said that the story that Troy shared moved him so much. He was familiar with the, the Dozier School stories, but just hearing it from Troy really touched his heart. And he said that he knew from that moment that he wanted to help. So um, just getting it in front of him and telling him what I needed him to support me on was really what we needed. And tell, going to him and saying, I just need $40 million. The AG's on board. The Secretary of State's on board. And, you know, of course, the Senate president's been on board for several years. So I, I would say that people were willing to help before. It's just such a dynamic and such a heavy lift. We, we really weren't going about it the right way. You know, lawmakers tend to say this is the law, this is what we need to do, but a lot of what we do affects a lot of different departments and agencies, and you have to have their partnership in order to get it done. So I think the difference this year isn't just that you have the leadership on board because you already had that. The difference is everybody is moving in the same direction. Everybody's got marching orders, and they all agree that those marching orders are within the parameters of, of their jobs. And so I, I think we're going to see some success. I, I'm optimistic. I, I hope no wrenches get thrown into it, but it's my understanding that we will get this across the finish line. Um, I know we're on a time crunch with a lot of these folks are just, you know, it's been many years and this is a long time coming. So it was the first bill I filed this year and it is my number one priority. So I'll use everything I can on the House side to make sure that I'm a good partner for the senator um, on the Senate side, and I hope to see I hope to see some good news in June. You got a lot of heads nodding in this in this room and thumbs ups. Um, I wonder. So there's not exactly a blueprint for this, and in my research, I was only able to find one example in Florida's past where this sort of thing has happened, and that was Rosewood, the award of some uh, some some money to the descendants of the victims of the Rosewood massacre back in 1994. Um, and nationwide, there's also not a, a great example of this being successful in, in the past. I, you know, I've looked into uh, victims of the Tulsa race riots, uh, the race massacre, rather, um, uh, internees in, in uh, World War II, uh, Japanese internees in prison camps, things like that. These groups have not stood to uh, gain financially from, from this or be compensated financially, I should say, uh, from, uh, you know, post their experience. Um, do you, Troy, a uh, question for you. Is there a blueprint yes. for this? What do you, uh, there you know, is, there yeah. is no blueprint for right. this. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, and, and when we go back and we look at what happened, you are talking about children being children as, as young as six, seven, eight years old being beaten, raped, tortured, killed taken from their families. This is, there is no, there is no blueprint, but I will say this, this is, this is a national problem in these types of quote. I always put school in quote, sure, because this is, this is, these are not schools and what's happened. So there is no real blueprint. That's what we're trying to do. Quite frankly, is try to come up with a blueprint where we can help other victims in other 
situations in other schools. What's amazing to me is it's just, it happened for a hundred years here yeah. in our little, you know, in, in, in North Florida and everybody just turned a blind eye to it. And you're talking about some of the most atrocious things. I think uh, Mr. Huntley talked about, you know, the, the segregation. Yeah. You couldn't, I mean, I mean if, if, if a, uh, a black kid got caught talking to a white kid, They'd get yanked out of the bed in the middle of the night and taken to the White House. Mm. And that is, of course, where all the atrocities, most all of the atrocities were taking place. And the kids never knew what was going to happen at night. Yeah, it's interesting to me. A lot of uh, a a lot of uh, what you do uh, has sort of tangible results, victims with. Uh, health issues, for instance, uh, you know, you know, we're talking about corporate malpractice and pollution and things like that, where you can see that this person has cancer, right? You can see that this person uh, has been injured in a workplace accident or what have you. And it seems to me in a lot of the cases with the White House boys, these aren't visible wounds uh, from an experience of being beaten until their behinds were, you know, broken open in the White House. That doesn't necessarily leave a visible scar, but these guys are all scarred deeply. Um, it, it, and that seems like the biggest challenge. Am I, am I right that that's hard to get around? Well, there's certainly, yes, you're absolutely correct. And, um, but there are certainly a lot of, a lot of the victims who certainly still have physical scars, right. physical, uh, physical, uh, ailments and problems from, long time abuse and we all understand now exactly the toll psychologically that long-term abuse can have on people right post-traumatic stress disorder depression all sorts of different issues that accompany being forced into labor being tortured being you know uh raped being beaten and and watching as as i think mr huntley said earlier you know, having to dig holes for people that, for friends, for other children that are being tortured and that are ultimately not going to make it because of that torture. So, yeah, there's not a blueprint. We're hoping that some of these issues continue to come out, not just in Florida, but throughout the country, because it is a national problem with these with these so-called schools that are that is continuing today. And we hope to expose all of that. Charlie, as president of the White House Boys, have you heard from people in other states and other sco- who went to other reformatories uh, who have reached out to say, hey, how do we organize this sort of thing? Yes, there's been a couple of calls from different states uh, that uh, was wanting some knowledge about the Dozier School for Boys and uh, had indicated that the same things were happening. I think one of the states was Ohio, and I don't remember the other state. When you get my age, you you forget. What about uh, the the issues that we're talking about? I've t- I've interviewed men who have said they you know even at the age of seventy seventy five they can't sleep with the lights off. Um, I've interviewed others who have s- serious uh, PTSD. Um, can you guys talk about how that? school impacts you today? I mean, I know you've sort of shaped your lives around advocating for your other brothers and so forth and speaking up and telling your story, but are there effects 
on you that you can point to that say, that's why I am that way because of what I experienced at the Dozier School? I, I can point to that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm through three marriages mm. over the years, and I attribute that to how I uh, had been done there in Mariana. Uh, and uh, it, it, as you get older, you learn to just live knowing what happened and don't let it take the good years that you may have left in your life mm. to totally destroy you inside the way it did for the first 50 years. Mm. Roy and Jean, can you talk yeah, about if I can, if I can just, if I can just touch it. I mean, there are many, and Mr. Huntley, you can uh, correct me, but there are many people that have lived in, in silence, not telling anybody. Right. What they went through, their family, their parents, their their loved ones, anything, and you know that exacts even more damage. And it's, and and as I said, one of the other things is this is going on today. Not at the Dozier School because the Dozier School finally got closed after a hundred years, but it's happening everywhere, and it's happening as we're speaking on this broadcast. It's happening in different so-called schools throughout the country. And that's what we have to stop. How do we stop that? Hopefully through programs like this and, and quite frankly, getting the word out that this is happening. Yeah. And it's happening everywhere because a lot of people don't realize it. I mean, people that I talk to outside of Mariana, but within 100 miles of, hundred, uh, of Mariana, would sit there and tell me, I didn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was going on. And a lot of people just, you know, they don't want to think that stuff is going on in their communities. It is. Right. And it's happening to all facets of life. It's happening to everyone. We just had a, um, we just had Paris Hilton um, out at a seminar that we were putting on um, that my, my firm, Levin Patent Tony Rafferty, puts on out in Las Vegas. And she spoke in her story about what she went through when she was sent away to these quote unquote schools is compelling. I mean, it is, it is happening everywhere. It's the components every of single place. some, you know, people, adults in a position of power and children in, you know, who, who are meant to uh, conform to that authority and then a level of secrecy, right? Word doesn't get out oh, yeah. or there are threats made or, you know, don't tell anybody. I've heard this from a lot of the White House boys. Don't t if you tell anybody, we know where you live. The first thing you did was write down your home address in the ledger. We know where you live and we'll come get you. Don't tell. Uh, so there's this component of secrecy. I wonder if uh, Representative Saltzman, if you're still with us, if there's any um, concern out there, uh, you know, in terms of other Florida schools, how, how do we how do we keep tabs on these places and make sure that we're not creating another class of victims right now today? I, I think that's a good question. Um, I, I certainly not really my swim lane as far as um, this type of uh, legislation. I'm typically a healthcare person. I do a lot of that kind of thing. So all of this is just really new to me. I. I didn't even know 
a majority of the things that happened at these schools until last year, whenever Troy brought it to me and said, Hey, you know, um, you, you saw all these stories. I, I really I could use your help on this. We, we need a Republican to help us in the House side so we can try to get this to move. And so just hearing all of that, I mean, I, I think that a, a step one is to get this bill across the finish line. You know, people respond better when they recognize that there are consequences that they'll face. And so if they see that we'll hold them accountable in the state of Florida, then if there's things like this going on in other places, it'll it'll detour them from, you know, behaving in that manner or, or at least behaving in that manner so often or so openly. Um, you know, you're always going to have issues just like you have bad teachers. You have bad cops. You have bad, you know, lawmakers. There's it, there, there's always bad folks in the bunch. So you're always going to have issues in general. But this type of stuff that happened, this wasn't a one bad person. This was generations of families that were running these um at camps, I don't even know what to call them because yeah. they certainly weren't teaching them anything. So I think, uh, you know, for Florida, the, the number one thing is is to get this bill done so we can show that that you will be held accountable. And that was part of the reason why the speaker really wanted to try to add into the bill a way to hold the people that, if they're still alive, um, accountable for their actions to these the victims in the schools. But you know, unfortunately, we're facing that statute, so I'm not sure. They're still working on it, which is why the bill um, hasn't really done anything for the past couple of weeks. We're still going back and forth. We want to make sure that we're in a way where we get it to the first committee stop. It's it's definitely going to, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make some progress. And so um, I'm hopeful, but I hear, that I'm, I hear that we're not going to be able to do that this time. But what we could potentially do is change the statute of limitations, um, for other instances. So if it might not be for these victims here, but we could in fact help, um, for the future. So if there are other things that happen that haven't quite met the, haven't met the threshold at this point, moving forward, it gives advice us some time. So if it was a 15 or 10 year statute of limitations, if we expand it to 2530, it gives the, the state longer to review some of these other potential cases. So um, there are some options that we could that we could be looking at. But for me, my number one objective is to do what I said I was going to do. And I promised Troy that I would I would do everything I could to get this across the finish line in the name of all of these families, you know, that, that have just been through so much. And so my objective is going to be that. And then whenever I'm successful, I'm certainly um, willing to look into whatever we can do to continue the momentum and, and just protect these children. So. Thank you. Okay, let's go to a, we have a couple callers here actually want to talk about this situation with the White House boys. Layla's been waiting very patiently from Brandon. Layla, you're on WMNF. Yes, um, I just wanted to thank everybody that's putting this bill and um, all the representatives involved. One of my first uh, guests at my cafe in Brandon, the nonprofit Portman of Hope, was Billy Bryant, and you could probably mm. still find his YouTube video where he talks about his experience as a White House boy. And during that time, 2008 through 2009, they did the first conference over in Orlando to shine a light on this. And thanks to the St. Pete Times, um, I was so touched. And I drove him over to Orlando so he could attend that conference. And since that time, I've followed everything that's happening with that. And I just so appreciate that this is alive and you guys are still uh, paying attention to the fact that so many lives were forever changed. Mm. Um, And... Uh, you know, I saw the Nickel Boys, um, the Mr. Uh, oh, Colson Whitehead. 
Yes, Colson Whitehead was at the Tampa Theater, and I went and got a signed copy of his book, and uh, it was due to the St. Pete Times' diligent reporting, and what a job they did. I still have that uh, historical newspaper article, you know, but this is waking up. You know, this is touching the hearts, you know, getting people to wake up and understand that we have to do the right thing in this country. And um, just I appreciate the representative's time and effort on this and just keep strong and Senator Rawson's forever um, time spent uh, trying to make a difference in this. So thank you so much. Well, Roy. thank you. Thank you, Leela. And thank you for befriending uh, your, your cafe visitor that day. I'm sure that had a... No, you know, actually, he lived on site. And, you know, not only did I take him in, he lived on site. His name is Billy Bryant. If you can archive his YouTube video, it will make you cry, mm. you know. And also the book that I think the man that was on your that on the show earlier, uh, the White House book, is an incredible book. If anybody's out there, if they can get that, get a hold of the, uh, the book about the White House boys. The original version that came out in I think 2009-2010. Yeah. That book is also a great um, statement. And then also, don't forget our anthropologist that got this funding and got up there and dug up those graves. You know, Dr. Erin Kimberly. For her last name, Kimberly. Kimberly. Uh, Dr. Kimberly something at um, USF for doing the um, the uh, archaeology. Right. Digging up of the graves of the White House boys so that it documented where the graves were and and all this was real, you know, and yeah, so it's yeah. so great to shine a light. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you for the thank call. Thank you, Layla. And let's go now to Lenny in Gulfport. Lenny, you're on the skinny here on WMNF. Hi. Uh, well, this is a quite a shocking story. Now, thank you for bringing it. Uh, I would like if they could describe uh, what a reform school is and maybe how they had the misfortune of been sent to that. Sure. Um, I'm not quite sure what a reform school is. Thank you. Sure, yeah, we thank skip you. right over that, but I'll, I'll take the first part of that question. The school was established in 1900 uh, and it basically located in Mariana, Florida, because the people of Mariana, Mariana and Jackson County uh, sort of assembled some land that they were gifting to the state. Um, and essentially, the idea at first was to make a reformatory, to, to have a place to send children who had. Uh, broken a law who had um, somehow been corrupted uh, so that they could receive proper training and become a productive citizen. The idea was to take them in, make them into a proper citizen, and and, and turn them loose eight months later. Uh, but very quickly, it became uh, a productive farm. And um, and very soon, uh, there, were, there were letters written from the administrators at the school to le- the legislatures in, in Tallahassee saying, uh, too few boys make the crops come in too slow. Uh, in other words, we need more boys. And the rules were changed in the state of Florida in the 19-teens to create crimes of things like truancy, incorrigibility. Uh, so if you got if you got caught skipping school, then you could get sent to Dozier. If you were incorrigible, whatever that means, uh, you could get sent to Dozier. And the population swelled starting in about the late 1930s until it was the biggest reform school in the country in the 1960s. And it was a place where mostly kids did a lot of work, uh, free labor. And um, and went to school occasionally. Did you guys go ever go to class every other day? Maybe work one day, school the next. <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it, it was you know. Uh, yeah, Gee, the, Gee. the thing about the school is we didn't have a teacher. <laughs> you didn't know teacher. We didn't have a teacher. Yeah, we did our own work. Huh. We taught ourselves yeah. in school. Yeah, it's why it's why Troy Rafferty puts had, quotes around school, right? Huh. Yeah. Basically, what we had was a a, a room monitor. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
that would sit there and watch us and make sure we turn our assignments in. Right. No teaching whatsoever. Right. You know, on the the black side, as far as that's concerned, when it came to school, we did have a teacher. But that teacher taught us, and I won't ever forget it, Proverbs 13, and uh, he always taught us how to, you know, uh, respond to your master. You know, whatever your master want to do to you, if he slap you on one side, you know, you slap him on, you know, you turn your face. We was taught that kind of stuff. Um, also, as far as I hear somebody saying about even this, this secret being kept so so tight. But in my time, when I was there, segregated, and I called it slavery, and fraud was best kept secret, it's simply because we were black, and we knew that we was in the Jim Crow era, but who do we report that to? If some of us, even myself, I probably was about 40 years old or just before my mother died, before I told her. Because the thing about it was, the state owned us, the state owned the school, they owned the employees. Who do you tell? When a little black boy goes and want to report somebody of murder at the school, right? they was in jeopardy of losing their own life. So. That was the part of the, you know, Florida's best kept secret. That's how it kept going so long. So, yeah, I'll agree. I mean, the school, like I said, I made it to third grade. And I tell you, when I came home, I could re- I could recite, you know, uh, uh, Proverbs 13, just like that. You know, just like that. So, yeah, school was kind of out of it, yeah. We're quickly going to go to one more call here before we have to get out of here. Uh, Bev Cooper calling in from Fort Myers. Bev, you're on the air. Good morning, Ben. Thank you for being there. Thank you to my brothers from other mothers. Thank you to Troy and Representative Salzman. I stand up to you, my lady. Thank you very much. I wanted to talk this morning about the other side, the other side of the trickle-down effect. You have about 30 seconds, Babs. Can you hear me? Yeah, we have about 30 seconds. Okay. Please remember the trickle-down effect and those who were abused those who were beaten, those who were mentally, physically, and sexually abused, that there were families behind them that lived and suffered with them then, now, every day, the nightmares, the tears, the crying, the need, the falling. Please remember this fight is for them and for all others who are suffering in this world today, particularly those children who are set aside, those children who are not given what they need in the support, just like my brother's. And thank you. And thank you so much to you and for your strength, Babs. Uh, We're signing off now a little bit late. Um, You've met all our guests, Charlie Fudge, Troy Rafferty, Roy Connerly, Gene Oker, uh, Richard Huntley. I'm sorry, Luker, uh, Richard Huntley and uh, Representative Michelle Salzman. Thank you all so much for joining us here on The Skinny on WMNF. Thanks to Skip on the board, Spaceship for taking the calls. For Roy and Mitch, uh, we're out. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Oh, thank you. And, uh, Hi, this is you. Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, and you're listening to WMNF Tampa.